Pretty cool video, huh? <laughs> you know, we got great opportunities, and, and obviously those opportunities to pray for our missionaries, uh, for the well, so make sure that you are aware and continue to pray for them. And if you'd like to give, uh, those opportunities are there as well, uh, that you can give to our missions, to the Great Commission Fund, uh, individual missionaries as well. And so, what a great opportunity. I have a big announcement. I, I, I'm going to join the PGA Tour. Why are you laughing? <laughs> I, you know, I think I, I could do it because, look, I, I've got the shoes, right? They work. I, I have the, the attire of a golfer. I'm wearing the glove. I have, I have a heavy bag of golf clubs, and I understand that that's important. You have to have a heavy bag of clubs. And I have the piece that really helps it out is the little booklet. If you ever watch, they're always carrying around a little book, and they're staring at it. I have no idea what they're looking at. <laughs> but I'm sure it's some inspirational sentences or, or sayings and quotes that are in there before every shot. And so, you know, I'm, I'm really, I, I'm, I'm there, I'm ready to go, I can do it. I, I also know that I can make some pretty good shots, too. You know, I'm pretty sure that I could put one through the back door if I really wanted to. You know, all I'd have to do is just, you might want to duck. Um, you know, you just kind of get back and, and, you know, I probably shouldn't do it right now. But I, w I have even golf hats, you know, that I could wear. I'm in church. I probably shouldn't wear a golf hat. Um, but I think I could do it. You think I could do it, right? Yeah, boy, have I got you fooled. <laughs> Just ask John Wyatt. He, I'm sure he's one guy that would go, there's not a chance. But if I were to go for out for the PGA, there would have to be some serious changes that would take place. Serious things that would have to happen. Transformation that I would have to go through in order to be able to do this. I couldn't just decide today that I wanted to become a PGA golfer and actually have it happen. Number one, they say I'm too old. You kind of got to be younger. You have to be in shape. If you see these guys now, they're like these muscle guys that play, and then they can really hit the ball. And you know, you have to you have to do this thing called practice. You have to be out there more than three times a year if you're lucky to be able to play well. I mean, you know, you have to transform. Though, believe it or not, even the way you eat, the exercises that you do, everything along those lines. Now, maybe Garrett could play for the PGA, but I don't think I'd have a chance because there would have to be a lot of transformation. But you know what? I can look the part, right? I mean, today I, I look like a PGA guy. That makes it even better. <laughs> they need more lefties in the PGA. But you know what? I think sometimes this is a picture of what we call the Christian life. And it's a concern that I have, and it's one of these uh, understandings that we find ourselves in in a culture that we live in today of what does it mean to be a Christian? 
we hear it being tossed around. We hear a lot of people saying that they are Christians, but for them, a Christian is based solely on a one-time decision that was made. And then maybe I go to church. I listen to Christian music. I pray before meals, at least, at least some when we're at home. And we're out in public, I don't want to look too weird, so we don't, maybe we don't pray for meals out then. But what does it mean to be a Christian? This is one of those areas that I find myself thinking about quite a bit. And over this past several months, and even this past year, I found myself coming back to this thought of what does it mean to be a Christian? We talked about being engaged last year, engaged in uh, small groups, engaged in discipleship, engaged in growing. But one of the things as I was going through that this last year that hit me was you can't engage unless you are transformed. Last week Gary gave us a pretty pointed message. Great message for today. And one of the things that Gary was talking about, he said in the beginning, he goes, you know, we find ourselves trying to fix the world, standing up and fighting for those rights and the things that we see are wrong in the world today. And he said, yet we're not worried about what's going on inside. And as I'm listening to what he was sharing with us last week, I'm going, that's exactly what God has been working on in my heart as well. Now, I want to give a disclaimer this morning as we get going. This is really our launching into 2023. Our theme for this year is Transformed Living God's Way. And I want to say this. (laughs) We're going to be stepping on some toes this year. And the reason why we're going to be stepping on people's toes is because Jesus often stepped on people's toes. His teachings were often teachings that people didn't like. But I want to share this with you. The teachings that Jesus had, who do you think didn't like the teachings that Jesus had? There's a verse that we can find in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. This is what the Scripture says. It says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now listen to what he says here. Having the form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. Now when I look at this passage, it's a great, we go, oh man, that's exactly the way that our world is going. It is going so much in that, I mean, yeah, people are, they're, they're boastful, they're proud, we're seeing all kinds of things happening in our culture today that we don't agree with, and that's what Gary was saying last week. We see the disobedient, we see all of these things is happening in our world today. But the part that really grabbed me in this is not all of those things because we know that that is what is going to happen. But it's the line in there that he says, these people have a form of godliness but denying its power. 
And when I read that, I can't go back and say, this is the way that the world is going. This is where I go. Is this, this, this passage talking about this is the way that the church will go? You see where I can be concerned. <laughs> because what we're finding is not only is the world going this, but as the church, as the people of the church, those that call themselves Christians, we're finding that a lot of the things that the world is doing is happening in the church of today. And the people who sit in the church are not living the way that they say they are. And this is where Jesus found himself in a lot of trouble. Because it wasn't the people that were lost that were the ones that were angry with Jesus. It was the religious people. They didn't like what Jesus was saying. And this year we're going to be looking at the words of Jesus. And I want to say this. Jesus often had people walk away because his teachings were hard and because they were countercultural and they didn't like it. Jesus often stepped on people's toes. And so over the course of this next year, we're going to be looking at the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to be looking at some of the parables of Jesus as we go through this year. And so these are areas of where Jesus himself is saying, this is what it means to be a Christian. This is what the transformed life looks like. So if I were to ask the question, what does a transformed life look like? What does it mean to be transformed? Well, the dictionary would say something along the lines of, to make a thorough and dramatic change in form, appearance, and character. It's like I said, if I was going to go and be in the PGA, there would have to be a drastic transformation. It would have to be a change in form, appearance, and how, what my life was all about. Is this what the church is today? I'm reading a book by Dietrich Bonhoeffer called The Cost of Discipleship. And he has this quote in there. He says, he's talking about the church. And he said, The Christian life comes to me nothing more than living in the world as the world, in being no different from the world, in fact, in being prohibited from being different from the world for the sake of grace. Now what he's saying in this is that many have come to this understanding that life as a Christian should not look any different than those who live in the world because of the grace of God that he has forgiven our sins and you go down this line of because of God's grace we don't have to make any change. And Bonhoeffer is saying that's what the world is saying but that's not what scripture says. And as we look at scripture we will find a very different view of of what it means to be transformed or what it means to be a Christian. And we're going to have our theme is in Ephesians chapter 5, so I'd encourage you to take your Bibles or your devices, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. If you're using the Bible in the seat in front of you, uh, you can grab one of those. We're around page 816. We're going to start at verse 1. Ephesians chapter 5, starting at verse 1, and these are the words. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. 
Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy persons, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. We're going to stop there. But I want you to see what this is. Jesus, or Paul, through the work of the Holy Spirit, is saying this is what we need to see in order to live the transformed life. And he says there are three areas of transformation that we can see. And in the next few moments, I want to go through these rather quickly. The first one that we see is really one that we go, this is a good one. We like this. It's easy. It's really the transformation of position. This is actually the work that God does. It's not the work that we do. This transformation is one that we see where Paul says, imitate God, therefore, as dearly loved children. The first transformation is simply this. It is the transformation into the family of God. It is the transformation of the position from being the enemy of God to being a child of God. Now, I think sometimes what we understand is that when we come to know Christ, what we've done is we've entered into a partnership. It's easy to think that way, right? You know, God needs me in order to... No. You understand that when we come to know Christ, we become the child of God. We are part of the family. We are adopted into his family. John 1, verses 12 through 13 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. I can't force myself in. I don't go into this by my own will at all. This is simply God transforming my position into the one where he is where I am a child of God. Paul in Colossians chapter 1 verses 21 and 22, he says it in this way. He says once you were alienated from God, you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. So here we see that transformation. Again, it's not of us. By the body of Jesus, through his death, we have been reconciled to God, transformed out of the, the darkness into the light, and now we are considered children of God. Now, if we were to stop there, yeah, that would be incredible, wouldn't it? To just simply walk around going, what a great life. I am a child of God. And think of all of the great things that come with that. Yeah, you got amazing things. But Paul in Ephesians doesn't stop there. He doesn't just go to the point, now it's great. You guys are dearly loved children. No, he says the next part of it is we transform not only our position, but we have a transformation of posture. 
He says in there, walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. Now what we're talking about here in posture is our way of thinking. It's the way in which we are motivated, our values. All of that changes and is transformed when we become a child of God. And what he's been saying is simply this. We go from being selfish or self-centered to be self-sacrificing. Understand? Remember what he says there. Love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. We are transformed, but we live in such a me-first culture. We live in such a place where everything comes around me. You know, you, it's interesting because you, you have conversations, and really we begin to see where the highest place of importance is. Someone asks the question, hey, would you be able to do something? What's our first response? I need to check my calendar. I need to check my schedule to be sure that, you know, and if, if I have time, then I will do it. But if, you know, I'm really busy. You know, you see what's happening. Now, we in our culture, we think that's a great thing. If I can say to you, man, I am really busy, you go, wow, you're an important guy, right? I mean, if I were to walk up to you and go, hey, Pete, how was your week? I go, it was great. I did absolutely nothing. <laughs> What would you think? Man, you are a lazy guy. But if you came to me and said, hey, Pete, could you help me with this? And I said, I don't have time because I'm too important and too busy. Now what would you think? You see, what Jesus is saying is it's a transformation of the way that we go. Let me ask you this simple question. Why did you come to church this morning? You see, maybe you're thinking, well, that has nothing to do with well, it. Actually, it does. Maybe our thinking was this. I, went to, I go to church because, well, it's what I do. I go to church. I am supposed to go to church. If I don't go to church, well, how good would that look? You know, if I'm not there, then people are going to think, well, you know, is that guy even a Christian? I mean, he's never in church. Or, you know, maybe it's... Um, I'm going because I know that if I go, that makes God happy. And if God is happy, then therefore I will have a better week this week than I did last week because I didn't go to church last week and God maybe wasn't too pleased with that. Do you even think, see how sometimes our thinking can be about me? How many times do I get up in the morning and, and I go, you know what, I can't wait to go to church today. I can't wait to go to church today because maybe today... By being there, I can be an encouragement to somebody else who has that need today. You know what? I can't wait to go to church because as I go to church, I'm part of the body that is there and, and we get to sing together. And, and man, do we bless God when we raise our voices together and sing those songs of praise? Or do I think, I'm going to church because, you know what, this is where I get filled to go out and serve God the rest of the week. You see the shift that happens there. Even in the simplest of ideas, Paul in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to you. 
My posture is transformed. My thoughts move from what I want to what does God want through me. Paul in Philippians 2 verses 3 and 4, he puts it in this way. He says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking down to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. This is a pretty good litmus test actually. When someone comes to you and says, Hey, would you be willing? (laughs) What happens in your heart when that phrase comes out? (laughs) Would you be willing to, you kind of go, inside, what's coming? Or does there well up joy within you that you get to be a blessing? I'll admit that it's not always the feeling of blessing in my heart. When someone comes up and they're like, hey, pastor, um, can I ask you a question? Would you be able to... There are times when I'm already in my mind going, no, absolutely not. And it hasn't even been asked. But you see, that's because that's the heart of the guy that's inside of here that's supposed to be pushed out. The transformed life should not be there. The third thing that we can see is this. Paul gives us the transformed in practice. We need to be transformed in position. We've got to become children of God. As we become children of God, we begin to change our thinking, our posture, our values, our motivation changes. But that then needs to go into the area of it must change my practices. How I live, how I choose to live has to look different. And this is, this is what Bonhoeffer was talking about when he was saying the church of today. And this was back in the World War II period. When he's sitting there saying the church of today is looking no different than the world of today. Because we don't want to change our practices. But Paul in the text, this is what he said. But among you there must not even be a hint. You know, it's easy for us to overlook that word, right? I mean, we'll go, oh yeah, there shouldn't be any sexual immorality or kind of impurity, greedfulness. And we kind of take it to the grandiose sins. There shouldn't be any of those. But Paul says, look, no, no, no. In practice, there shouldn't even be a hint of it. Nobody should be able to look into our lives and go, you are not 100% on board, are you? Let me say this as clear as I can. You cannot be a Christian and live in disobedience to God's Word. Now that's a hard statement, isn't it? And maybe some of you are going, I don't know if I agree with that. Well, I'll tell you what, in two weeks, Pastor Tim is going to be talking about obedience, and I'll let him clarify that for you. But here's the point. Scripture commands us to look different than the rest of the world, doesn't it? We are not to look the same. As a matter of fact, you look at some of these passages in Scripture. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. It says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Now look at what James tells us in James chapter 4, verse 4. He says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. 
What does it mean to be a friend? We read these things and we go, well, what does that really mean? You know, does that mean that I should like live in this hole in a hermit? I mean, should we have like a, a church commune where we all are like, you know, uh, no, that's not what we're called to. But it's the point of saying, has my life been transformed that my practices are transformed? Let me step on toes now, okay? All right, I'm going to step on your some toes. What does this look like? If I have engaged in an activity that takes me away from regularly being under God's teaching, then I'm a friend of the world. You realize that in today's culture, 35% attendance to a service is considered committed. If I can go out and purchase that new 65-inch screen TV OLED smart with every bell and whistle on it, but I can't tithe, I'm a friend of the world. If I don't have time in my schedule to be in God's Word because I am too busy with other things, I'm a friend of the world. I'm going to stop there. We could go on in other ones. I'd like to have people in church next week. But here's the question. Am I transformed? James in James chapter 1 verses 22 through 24, he says it this way. He tells us, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. It doesn't say consider what it says. It says do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. This is the simple truth of being transformed. Do I do what God's word says that I should do? If what I am doing does not line up with God's way of living, then I am not transformed. I have done a transaction. That's all. What does it look like to be transformed? I am a child of God. My thinking, my posture, my values change. And I do look different from the world. Because I know to live God's way looks different than the rest of the world. Friends, I can't walk into the PGA with my golf clubs and my golf bag and say, you need to accept me as a PGA player. They would look at me and say, prove it. (laughs) Are you transformed? Are you living the life that shows that you are worthy not to play golf, but to be called the son and the daughter of the living God? transformed, living God's way. Let's do what it takes to be done, to be transformed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father,
in reality, we realize that we do not deserve to be called children of God. But yet you have offered it to us freely as a gift. And even though we cannot make ourselves sons and daughters, we know that by becoming children of God, that we are to be changed and transformed into the image of our Father. Light bearers. Lord, may our lives clearly show that we have been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And may we make a difference in the world in which we live. Not for me, but for the one who loved us so much that he would give his son. Lord, may we be transformed to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.